0: My coworkers are like, oh my god, you should do comedy. This is so funny. And I'm like, I'm not going to do stand-up. You know, comedians just talk about how broke they are all the time. And I'm like, too cute to be broke. Michelle Buteau is a comedian, a writer, and an actor. Buteau gave the keynote address at Work It, a women's podcasting festival put on by WNYC Studios. I'm the Basu, and this is Work It, the podcast, a compilation of the best moments from the live event. Here's Laura Walker, the president and CEO of New York Public Radio, introducing the show, who made us laugh and cry and ugly laugh and ugly cry.
1: Thank you so much. It is so fabulous to be here with you incredibly talented uh, women podcasters. Uh, thank you so much, Molly, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Jerome L. Green performance space here at New York Public Radio. Um, I want to just uh, give a special uh, shout-out to the Harnish Foundation. We have some people here from the Harnish Foundation. They have a great uh, tagline on their, on their website, and it, it is that they are creative. Uh, th- that they do uh, creative, progressive, and spirited philanthropy. I just love that line. So let's give a special thank, shout out to the Harness Foundation. Um, And uh, tomorrow morning, you're in for a treat uh, when Pat Harrison, the CEO of of CPB, some of you may remember her from last year or know her. She is wildly funny. She's visionary and incredibly accomplished, and she will be here. uh, And uh, she is part of the original uh, kind of idea for Work It and for women's podcasting, because uh, several years ago, ago when um, I I was reading an article um, by Julie Shapiro, is Julie here? Yay, there she is. All right, so Julie is also part of the founding idea here because she did a... Uh, look at the top 100 podcasts, um, many of you may remember this article, and found that 20% uh, had, uh, had at least one woman host. There were 11% that, that had uh, a woman host and 9% that had men and women. And that, just 20% out of the top 100, that's just not good enough. And so I started thinking, well, what could we do about this? What, how can we change this? Because this is a medium that's new. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, so I was about to go on a panel that Pat had asked me to to participate in, uh, at a conference and we started talking about it and she said, well, what, what can I do? And I said, well, if I get up on the panel stage and we talk about this and we say we want to support women podcasters to change this, will you say you'll support a conference and support, uh, some programming? And she said yes. And so I did and she said yes and, the, and this idea was born. Um, and so she didn't hesitate a minute and so we will, uh, hear from her tomorrow. I also want to, um, acknowledge, uh, the one man in the room, (laughs) the token man. Where is he? Dean Capello. There he is in the back. Dean is an extraordinary partner in all of this and uh, a visionary leader of WNYC Studios and uh, has helped to launch several new podcasts that we have done in the last, uh, just in the last year, that have women hosts. There's, uh, help me out if I miss one, there's Two Dope Queens, of course. There's, uh, yes, there's Only Human with Mary Harris, yes. Uh, If you heard uh, More Perfect last week, Susie Lechtenberg was uh, the host there. That is great. And have I missed one? Death, well, now that, that's, that's been on, but of course, Death, Sex, and Money and Manusha Marodi are already in the family, so uh, we're doing our part. But uh, we are now, uh, last year when I stood up on this stage, uh, I, I, we looked at where we were in terms of the top 100, and there were 31% that had at least one woman host. And we, I set uh, the bar, I said, that's good progress, but I want to get to 50% by 2018. Yep. And we're going to do it. We're making progress. We're at 37%, 37 37.2% to be exact. But we've got some work to do now. Um, And uh, so we have two more years. And I really want all of us in this room, we cannot and none of us can do it alone. We got to do it together and we got to do it by supporting each other and by uh, finding uh, incredibly talented women, many of you in this room and and listening on uh, the live stream. So uh, we have our work to cut out and I know we can do it. So let's work it. (laughs) This year, we had close to 700 applications for WorkIt. We got applications from across the world, from France and Argentina to Nigeria and India. Of all of those applications, we selected you, the women in this room, to take part in this program. Thank you for bringing your voice to this important conversation. We have women here from Slate, from Vox, from The Moth, from PRX, from AIR, from The New York Times, ESPN, The Huffington Post, Columbia Journalism School, American Public Media, New York Magazine, Gimlet, as well as women working in fields beyond journalism. So welcome on in. There's so much to learn and from each other over the course of the next uh, two days, so much progress we can make and so much inspiration to share. So let's get to it. I just want to mention one other thing. I don't know how many of you saw this list that was going around yesterday of the top 22 people in podcasting how many women were on that list two okay come on should we do our own list (laughs) they're two great women and they're both here are they both here uh who yeah megan you're here and who was the other one i'm sorry sarah of course is sarah here no, but we, they're great women, but there really are, A, more that deserve to be on there, right? And, and, and we need to come out with our own statement about the leaders of podcasts. And all the men, including Dean... We're also terrific, so nothing to take away from the men, but uh, anyway. um, So, here to kick things off, I am sure to make us laugh as well, is the wonderful Michelle Buto. Michelle is a comedian, TV host, and actress. Her half-hour comedy special premiered on Comedy Central last September, and her comedy album, Shut Up, is currently available on iTunes. She's done stand-up across the country, has appeared on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, Lopez Tonight, and The Last Comic Standing, you may also know her as Private Robinson from Fox's critically acclaimed series Enlisted or as the crazy girlfriend on Comedy Central, Central's Key and Peel. Michelle was also a featured comedian in the hit podcast Two Dope Queens from WNYC Studios. Please welcome Michelle Buto. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My
0: God. Hello. Thanks, Boo. How are you? Oh, watch the, watch the moneymaker. Okay. What an introduction. Oh, my God. I feel like should be getting more paychecks in the mail with all that work. Um, and hello, everybody. Thank you for having me at Work It. Damn. Work It. I love that work is spelled with the E because it means we're sassy and, like, we're working on our own terms. And... I love hearing all that stuff about podcasts. I used to have a podcast. I miss having a podcast. I want to get back to it. I also need to go to the gym and find my belly button when I sit down. But my podcast was called It's Your Journey, Boo. And... I did it with one of my really good friends, Lauren Gurr, who's hilarious, and um, we just interviewed people who had, like, odd jobs and how they got into those jobs, and uh, we quit right before we interviewed, I wanted to interview this mom and daughter so badly, they're Jewish, they're Canadian, and they make kosher wigs for people's dogs, (laughs) (laughs) so it was like on that level where you felt like you were high, but you weren't, it was great. And Lauren was like this really cute little Ashkenazi nugget of love. And she, her dream job was to go to poor countries and teach women how to um, cook their placenta after they had a kid. Are you okay? We're all women. It's fine. Enjoy your muffin. And no lie, Lauren wanted to write a cookbook and she wants to call it Placenta Yenta. So one day we will make that happen. So um, my mother is from Jamaica. My dad is from Haiti. I'm from Jersey, both equally exotic places that have the Zika virus. And, <laughs> and I think about how different I am from my parents. You know, my dad's like this Haitian renaissance man who's an intellectual. My mom's like a very awkwardly, like, Shy, just painfully shy person from Kingston, and you know I think about how she had to come to America and you know clean toilets for a living for a dollar fifty and serve pie at Woolworths and just leave everything she knew back home to try and start a new life. She's sort of like that movie Brooklyn, but the Caribbean uh, remix <laughs> and um she's so uncomfortable in her own skin, and I feel like she was always trying to give me advice you know to like be the person that she never was. She'd always tell me to be polite and be kind, don't be so loud when I laugh, hold my stomach in when I sit down, straighten my hair, I look more presentable. But then she'd whisper in my ear, don't take shit from no man. (laughs) Be independent and have your own money. (laughs) And my dad's advice was always, read a lot of books and don't get pregnant. (laughs) So, at 17, like, I knew I was too cute for Jersey, and I was like, I have to go somewhere else and be this exotic queen I know I can be. So, I went to college in Miami, which was great, because everything smelled like pineapple. And... (laughs) And uh, I decided decided to study communications, and my Haitian father, who is deaf in one ear and speaks eight languages, he's crazy, crazy talent. I don't even know what ear he's deaf in. He always pretends he can't hear me. But... (laughs) He was like, why are you studying communications? You're American, you live in America, you know how to communicate. But, you know, when you're like 17, going on 18, you're going to college, you have to make all these decisions, you don't know what to do with your life, you know? I really wasn't good at anything. I loved TV. I want to work in television. That's all I could really talk about. I wasn't into sports, not with this chest. Um... <laughs> Politics, theater, none of it I just, I could like recap the fuck out of a Golden Girls episode, you know And the only reason why I want to like Even join the theater is because that episode of Golden Girls Where they all joined the public theater And all <laughs> ended up dating the same guy Do you remember that? That was a good episode <laughs> So I want to be a journalist Because that's what you do, right? <laughs> when you want to work in communication So I took this on-camera class Uh, at my university in Miami, and the third day in, my professor came up to me, and he said, you know what, I don't think this is going to work out for you, honestly, I think you're just too fat to be on camera, so what you should do is uh, take production, and I didn't even think twice, I'm like, oh, I have to be polite, he's my elder, he's uh, my professor, he's been in TV longer than I've been alive, so I'm like, okay, cool, thank you, thank you so much, and so I just quit, and went into production. And I took all the classes for production, and I started editing uh, the local news while I was in college. And it was fine; it paid well, you know. A lot of tank tops, a lot of cargo pants. I don't know why; it's a look. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do. And um, you know, it was just a, it was just kind of boring, you know. And I definitely wanted to do something different than my parents did with their office jobs. I didn't want something mundane. You know, I had to edit a lot of house fires and perp walks, um, a lot of B-roll of fat people from the neck down, which is so fucked up. I mean, can I say fucked up? So fucked up. (laughs) Like, why are we getting this B-roll of these poor, unsuspecting people? But anyways, (laughs) that's what I did. And uh, oh, I would spend my Saturday and Sunday mornings editing for my producer, Obit Reels. Um, Back in the day, like, you know, it, it wasn't digital. So we had really big beta tapes. And so I would just sit in a dark room and edit Obit Reels, like just people just waiting for people to die. You know what I mean? It was so depressing. I'm like, I am too cute for this. So a lot of my friends had graduated from Miami and moved to New York City, and they're like, yo, we're editing here, we're making so much money, the clubs are open till like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you should come here and get your drink on. I was like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) So I moved to New York and started editing for a local news station. I won't mention them. Ding, ding, ding. And... (laughs) It was fine, it was fun. They were right. There was a lot of overtime. There was a lot of news. There was a lot of house fires. There was a lot of things happening everywhere. There was a lot of drinking. But I was still bored. I'm like I don't want to be hungover all day and just like, you know, put this video together for someone who doesn't even care. So I wasn't really happy, but when you're in your early twenties, you don't really know what happy is, right? You're just trying to get through the day. Maybe have some Pedialyte and get over that hangover. But what I did realize was I had a lot of stories. When you live in New York City, all of a sudden you have stories, right? So I used to write these really long emails about my roommate at the time. She was, like, this really overly attractive hairdresser who was also, like, wildly insecure. And she loved dating skater boys. And I was like, all right, she has a type. I feel like that Avril Lavigne song. It's fine. But it was too much, like... I've never... She was, like, my first and last roommate because she used to, like, have sex in the shower. I'm like, I need to get ready for work. She had, like, an all-white cat named Cocaine. I'm like... (laughs) We gotta talk. And then she was obsessed with olive oil and she would always put it on her hair and her skin so, like, all the knobs were really slippery. And... (laughs) The whole apartment smelled like salad the whole time and I was like, I got to go, but I would write these stories of my day and people started forwarding them to each other and my coworkers were like, Oh my god, you should do comedy. This is so funny. And I'm like, I'm not gonna do stand up. You know, comedians just talk about how broke they are all the time. And I'm like too cute to be broke. This is my whole like thing in my head. I'm like, I'm too cute to be broke and I started going to stand-up shows, and there weren't a lot of females, and I'm just like, oh, my God, why is it all men? Why are they all talking about their penises and what they want for their penises? I'm like, where are the women? So after a really horrible breakup with my college ex-boyfriend, who I found out didn't know how to read, and that he cheated on me the whole time I was together with him... It's cool. We all need our eat, pray, love moment. And... Um, I read this advertisement in the Village Voice, and it says, do you have a story? Do you want to do stand-up? Do you want to tell your story? And I was like, yes, advertisement. I do want to tell my story. (laughs) And then the next week, 9-11 happened. And I was working overnights at the time, so usually I'd go in about midnight and leave at 9.30 a.m., Well, 9-11 happened at 9.11 a.m. And that night... Changed my life forever. People always ask me, what was it like? What did you see? Um, It was like watching a horror movie on my two screens in my edit bay. With no windows and, you know, a really unhappy writer behind me with like a Diet Coke. And when it was all happening, my news director was running around the newsroom, crying and screaming, did we get it? Did we get it? And I didn't even know what to get because I'm rolling record, but there's people jumping out of a building. Am I supposed to be getting this? I kept recording. I had to take the video and edit it, give it to her. She'd scream, there's a body part, there's a limb, get rid of it. Okay. Then I'd keep editing. There's too much black smoke. I can't see anything. Why is the cameraman running? I'm like, because he thinks he's going to die. I ended up leaving that day around 6 p.m. Um, It felt like three days and also like 10 minutes. And when I left... September 12th, 2001, I was like, fuck this shit. Fuck what people think. Fuck what we're supposed to be. Just be who you are. I kind of had this moment where I felt like uh, Uma Thurman's character in Kill Bill. Like I woke up from a coma, and I'm like, everything must die. Not like the people at my wedding party, but just like doubt and fear. I'm <laughs> like, get it away from me. <laughs> September 13th, I decided to fuck wearing my hair straight, wearing Talbot's and Ann Taylor Loft's. <laughs> <sighs> I stopped wearing makeup to cover up my freckles. I stopped trying to complete like, sentences in front of my bosses instead of saying, hey, you know what I mean, and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) I worked another 16-hour shift with the most horrible video. September 14th, rinse and repeat. And at this point, my news director went around to each editor and each writer and everybody else that worked on the floor and said, we're offering therapy, do you want some? And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> September 14, 2001, I started stand-up comedy. And I haven't stopped since. And it's been my therapy. And I have to say, there is a certain amount of freedom in not giving a fuck what everyone else thinks. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to be. Now... At the time, NBC was merging with Telemundo to create this channel called Mundos, which was like a Spanglish channel. And you didn't have to be Spanish. You just had to be sassy and have flavor. I was like, that's me. (laughs) So I was like, this is my moment. And I applied for a job because I knew everything about, you know, production. And so I was like, I just want to do this. Like, I'm so tired of editing people who aren't as funny as me. So the EP gave me a job, and my first job was to interview Antonio Banderas for Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Have you heard of it? Probably not. Okay. I want to say I killed that interview, not to toot my own horn, but beep beep. And I was so excited to watch the package air. You know, I was just looking at that TV like, here's my moment. Oh, my God, I'm going to be like Mary Hart, but with brown titties. Let's go. And... When we got to my package, I was totally cut out of every scene. And somebody else voiced, like, voice-overed it, right? Yeah. So I talked to my EP, and she was like, you know, I it was a creative decision. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think you're really funny. And, you know, I think you're really bright. Um, but I just, I just think, you know, you don't look that good on camera. You're a little bit too big. And then I just... I was like, oh, my God, okay, this is that moment again. And I didn't even know what to say or, like, how to process it. Like, my right eye got a heartbeat, and I was like, what? And I just stood up like I had road rage. Like, she just cut me off. And I was just like, well, I might be fat, but you can't fix ugly, bitch. And I walked away. (laughs) And I just walked out. (laughs) You know what I mean? I felt like... Like like Celie and Sophia in the cornfields. I'm like, you told Harpo to beat me. And I just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone job. But I'm so glad she told me that because that was the moment I needed to say, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm going to listen to the voice I have inside me. And anytime anyone's like, do you have advice for comedians? Do you have advice for women who want to do this? Remember, Look, We're all insecure about something, right? But don't tell yourself no before someone else tells you no. When they tell you no, you just keep fucking going. Okay? Life is short. Look what just happened in Orlando. We don't know what we're promised. You have to do what makes you happy. Don't ever live in regret. Oh, my God, I sound like a Pinterest page. But hold up. (laughs)
1: Look...
0: It's been 15 years, and I've been working nonstop. I've been acting. I just played, like, an angry Latina soccer mom and a pilot. I'm not angry or Latina, but they thought I was. I was like, fuck it. You know, like, <laughs> when you're not Blake Lively, you get called for all types of weird stuff. This is some of the stuff I've been called in for. An overweight, self-assured Africa- African-American woman. Okay. Um, <laughs> 23 to 40 years old. That's my face. Um... <laughs> Think around the way, girl Club girl, flashy, slutty Average looks, nice body Whatever you need, sir Um, Mixed race, African American Not necessarily pretty A struggling single mom who is rough around the edges Uh, Real looking, unfortunate But not too unfortunate someone is always going to have something to say or put you in a little tiny box so they get it I just show up and I'm like whatever you need I'm gay for pay let's do this and I just do my own thing (laughs) you know when I was growing up I had a lot of like Janet Jackson telling me to like let's wait a while but I wish I had Beyonce being like who runs the world girls that would have helped I think and I relied on my parents advice for a really long time but now I got some of my own If they don't want to hear from you, let them hear about you. Bye, bitch. That was Michelle Buteau speaking at the 2016 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Harnish Foundation.